0: Um, any any perfectionists out there? A bunch of you are lying. I know that. I'm at fault. We're all perfectionists in, in some way. And uh, maybe like, no, not really. I, I, I like things you know, good is good enough. It's good enough, really, like when your meal comes to you or a cup of coffee, like it's good enough, good enough. And then at that point, No, it's not. We're all perfectionists. Either we are striving to be perfect in some way, or we have a very high expectation of the people around us to give us perfection. Amen? Amen. That's right. Any uh, How I Met Your Mother fans out there? Yeah. There's more of you I know. You just want to admit it. I know there's more of you out there. Um, there's this one episode uh, where they find the perfect burger place. It's amazing, you know. A good one, that's a good one. Regis. um They find the per- perfect burger place, and no one remembers where this place is. They, they can't, no one took the address, name of the place, they can't backtrack to it. And so the entire episode is surrounded around traveling around New York City trying to find the burger place. And they come upon numerous places, sit down, have a burger. Everyone else is like, oh, it's such a great burger. And I think it was Marshall, the one that found, first found the burger joint. And he's like, nope, not it. And everybody's like, come on, man, but it's so good. It's like, no, it's not the one. It's not the one. At the end, they finally find the burger place. We're all striving for... Perfection. We are. In some manner, in some way, shape, or form, we are striving for perfection. What about spiritual perfection? Do we strive for spiritual perfection? Does Jesus demand it? Now, here's the thing. When you start thinking about your meal and having the perfect meal, you love it.
1: When you have,
0: start thinking about a perfect cup of coffee, which by the way, there's a great cup of coffee in Asbury Park at America's Cup, it is mind-blowing, the lattes that they make. Sidebar. <laughs> when we think about perfection in those ways, it's amazing. Your favorite baseball team, you know, there's a pitcher throwing a perfect game, eighth inning, ninth inning. There's nothing more amazing to rally behind. And yet, when we think about spiritual perfection, it's exhausting, right, it's exhausting. It does not feel the same way, it is not an amazing cheeseburger, it is not a great latte, it just isn't, it's exhausting, it's impossible, right, it's impossible. And for some of us, we think, why even bother? Why even bother? We can't attain it, so why even bother? Does Jesus demand spiritual perfection? doesn't. We're going to look. We're going to see. Matthew chapter 5, verse... 48 says this. It's on the screen. If you would like to see it in the uh, Blue Bible, it's on page 580 in the Blue Bible. 580, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That about sums it up this morning. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Jesus, what are you talking about? Perfection? Impossible. But you are to be perfect. You can, leave it up. you can leave it up. Even as your Father in Heaven is perfect. Let me give you a little background of where we are. Jesus has given the first discourse on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is, is it one of his famous discourses that we find in the Gospels. The reason it's called Sermon on the Mount is because he gave his sermon on a hill. Sermon on the Mount. So he's a quarter of the a third of the way through when he gives this statement. And before that, Jesus has addressed numerous heart issues. Lust, adultery, force, oaths, vengeance, hatred of your enemies. What it really mean, means to be blessed by God. He's given all these things out to the people listening. And he sums it up and he says, But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And immediately, just like us, the crowds come to this place and are a reminder just how imperfect they actually are, right? And when I started talking about spiritual perfection, you were like, oh, here we go. But what exactly is it that Jesus is saying, though? Because if he's talking about never messing up, I mean, that's what we think about. Spiritual perfection. Well, it's, it's not messing up. It's not sinning. I can't have a bad thought. I can't say a mean word. I can't do wrong things. There's a list out there somewhere, and I have to follow this list, right? There's the do's and the don'ts. I have to make sure I'm on the straight and narrow path of do's, never veer off that path in the don'ts, right? That's what we think about. All right, Jesus, you demand perfection. Let's, let's, Let's create that list. Where's the list? What do we do? What do we not do? How do I strap on my boots a little bit tighter? Right? And, and just set out on that course and try and hope and pray that I'd never veer off because i never want anything bad to happen to me. Amen? We've all been there. Amen? Amen? Yes, we've all been there. No matter how young or old you are in your faith, we've all been there. But what is it that he's talking about? Let's look at this passage in a slightly different translation. I don't want to mess it up. You want nice one. Yep. Same passage, different translation. This is Jesus summing, it, summing up his first 47 verses. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Grow up. Mmm. That one probably doesn't feel any better, doesn't it? <laughs> I thought you were bringing us good news this morning, Omar. This is what he said. "Your kingdom subjects. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others. The way God lives for you. You see, that word perfection in the New Living Translation is better translated to be mature, whole, grow up. Jesus is not stating that there is this crazy spiritual perfection outline, list, do's, don'ts. And that you can actually live this life without sinning. Or that you should, you know, try your hardest to mark off every checkbox on this list. That's not what he's saying. But What he is saying is, grow up. Become mature. Become whole. The first 47 verses... In, in, in Matthew chapter 5, they're not a new way for you, for, for the people of that time and for us today to live. It's not a new list where the nation of Israel had these rules and these regulations in the Old Testament and now Jesus has come to recreate that list, to make a new list, to make an add-on list. He's not doing that. He's showing the, peop- the people a deeper, fuller way of to live. What he's actually showing people is God's heart. That God's heart is for love, unity, not divorce. That God's heart is about forgiveness, not holding grudges, not hatred. That God's heart is for blessing and not to withhold he's showing them what God's heart is actually like and it's amazing because when he says be perfect just like your father in heaven is perfect he's not correlating this back to himself he's not saying now you be perfect just like I'm perfect no, he relates this directly to God which is mind blowing because when you hear that He, like, there's this comparison between, like, the otherness, right? Well, God up there. Be perfect just like the God up there is. The God who created heavens and who created earth. Be perfect like Him up there. What is that? What what is He talking about? Jesus is talking about sanctification. Jesus is talking about sanctification spiritual perfection growing up is sanctification who here knows what sanctification is no I I got a nope no idea listen Valid statement. <laughs> That's part of it, sure. Yes. Thank you. To get, yes. To justify? To, justify. Justify. to be justified? Mm. Totally different. Gotcha. To become like Jesus. Okay. Process of being made holy. Yes. We got some thinkers in this room. Ooh, the process of being made holy. Somebody else said something good. Um, to be more like Jesus. i a good thing. Sanctification. If you guys didn't know, we are a CMA church Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, we talk a lot about the fourfold gospel. You guys heard this numerous times that Jesus is Savior. Sanctifier, healer, you guys aren't paying attention to Rob, don't worry, no one's videotaping this. And coming king, our full, fourfold gospel. Basically, like the foundation of what our denomination was based upon. It's all Jesus. Specifically, it's based upon Jesus as Savior, Jesus as Sanctifier, Jesus as healer, and Jesus as coming king. We've talked about that a lot. We've Actually, for the first seven to eight years of our church, we've talked a lot about Jesus as our Savior. We've talked a lot about that. We've talked about Him as our sanctifier as well. Um, but hopefully we're going to start to be able to develop that further in the next coming months and make that more fuller definition. You've probably also heard us say that sanctification, in a very general way, sanctification is the closing of the gap between two things. One, There are things that I believe about God to be true. I think these things. I confess these things. Many of you confess the very same thing. If I were to ask you, do you think God is good? All of us would probably say, yes, God is good. And so therefore, you've heard us talk about God is good, so I don't have to find my satisfaction elsewhere. Yet, at the end of the day, many of us just like to unwind. We watch a little TV that becomes a lot of it. Some of us might be at a place where, you know what? This day was special hard. So, Mr. Budweiser, you are my solace today. man, I just had this argument, I just had this fight with this person, I need chocolate. I don't need chocolate. I need a bag of ingredients. I like salt. But I'm sure a lot of you can relate to chocolate. So do you believe that God is still good? Sure. Function, uh, con- cognitively speaking, yeah. God is good. You would never, probably never say, no, God is not good. But functionally, functionally speaking, it's God good. And I I could take that example further and further and further and further. We'll just keep it there for now. So, sanctification is the closing of that gap between what I confess to be true about God and what I actually believe. Another one is, God is great. We would say that God is great. God is great all the time. You know, like, God is great. So, I don't have to be in control. Yet, how many of us try to control our lives, control our schedules, control our children, control the people that work under us, control the people that work above us, control the people that work next to us? Shall I keep going? We believe God is great, and He's in control. But functionally speaking, I need to take charge. I need to be in control. I need to do X, Y, and Z because then it won't happen if it doesn't. Sanctification. Closing of that gap. It's a good way to look at it. It's an easy way to look at it, but I want to give you a more full definition this morning. Sanctification is being separated from sin. That's what sanctification is. Being separated from sin. But not just that. We're separated from sin to be separated to God. So we don't live in this void, I'm not going to reference the Bible, as sin. So over here, right, I'm being separated from sin. This is my life of sin. These are the choices that I make habitually, right, on on a constant realm. Things that I'm disobeying God, I'm not following God, you know, I'm living for myself, my self-centeredness, whatever that might be. That's over here. I'm separating myself from the sin. God is separating me from that sin but not just to live out in limbo, to be separated to God, to be separated for the purposes of God. Yes, someone said it. Sanctification is the process of being more and more and more like Jesus. But Omar, I thought that's what salvation was. When you become saved, when Jesus is your savior, That that just happens. Sanctification just happens. He just, because of salvation, you just kind of start to figure out how to look more and more and more like Jesus. Salvation and sanctification are two separate things, so you need salvation first. Salvation is coming to a place where you say, I need a savior. Sin has separated me from God. Sin has created a barrier between me having a deep, real relationship with God. I have no connection with God because of sin. So I need Savior. Jesus came to be our rescuer. That's the truth of who He is. He came to be our rescuer. God realized that no amount of moral, spiritual perfection, following rules could ever get us to the place where we would have a right relationship with God. Impossible. Nothing we could do, no act, no thing, could ever remove that barrier and allow us free access to God and everything of God's. So God had to take care of it himself. He sent Jesus into this world to live, to die on the cross, and raised from the tomb three days later so that we might have the opportunity for salvation. That's salvation, realizing we need a Savior. But what we're talking about today is sanctification. that's the process of looking more and more and more like Jesus. Sanctification is something that God does. here's Here's the beautiful thing about this all. Before you have a kind of spiritual meltdown and you're still waiting for that list, some of you are still, you're waiting for that list, aren't you? Hey, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? <clears throat> Sanctification is not anything we do. Just like we could not save ourselves, we cannot sanctify ourselves. Just like we could not save ourselves, you can't save yourself, I can't save myself, you can't sanctify yourself. I can't sanctify myself. This is a complete work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification. Separation from sin, but to be separated to God and for the purposes of God. The founder of our denomination, A.B. Simpson, he is the man. You guys need to read books written by A.B. Simpson. They're short. They are deep. They are amazing. This guy was a real deal. He says this, Dear friends, God expects something more of us than simply to be separated from sin. That is only negative goodness. He expects that we shall be wholly dedicated to Him, having it the supreme wish of our heart to love and honor and please Him. Separation from sin, separation to God. Let's look at the translation in the message one more time. It says this, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up your kingdom subjects. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you you. Here's the beautiful thing about sanctification. It's all about your identity. Sanctification isn't something that you find outside. It's not a list. It's not rules. It's not regulations. It's not do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Sanctification is all about your identity. Because notice what he, you can read the verse up. Notice Notice who he's talking to. He's not talking to people that don't believe in Him. He's saying, you are kingdom subjects. He's talking to followers of God. He's talking to people that already have a God-created identity. This is who Jesus is talking to. He says, sons and daughters of the King. That's what He's saying. In other words, sons and daughters of king. The King, live out your God-created identity, not the identity you created for yourself. Because you can't do that. That comes from Him. It's not X, follow X, Y, Z. It's not doing. When we talk about like, oh, you know, following God is not just about like doing stuff. This is why, because He's already placed that identity in us. We do not work for an identity. you got to pay attention to this. This is huge. We do not work for a God-created identity. Young people, youth. Any kids in here, any young youth in here? We do not work for an identity. That's a lie that the church has bought and has sold for who knows how long. We don't work for one. We live out of one. We live out of our God-created identity. The identity that He has given us. Not one that we form for ourselves. That at any moment of crisis, that entire identity falls apart. Okay, let's keep going. Why sanctification? Okay, so we've talked about this. We've talked about spiritual perfection. Jesus is redefining spiritual perfection for us. I hope you, you're, you're understanding that. Jesus is redefining spiritual perfection for us. We've talked about what sanctification is, which is a separation from sin to being separated for God and for God's purposes. That is becoming more and more and more like Jesus. But Why? Why sanctification? Because there is a world that needs to see a church grown up and mature and old living out their God-created identity in this world that is full of sin and brokenness and evil and hatred and vengeance and divisiveness and divorce and adultery. There is a world that needs to see us whole. Grown up. How many of you are tired? I mean, you yourselves are tired. You're tired of dealing with your sin. You're you're tired that when crisis comes, when conflict comes, that you just crumble underneath it. How many of you are tired of that? I'm tired of it. There's a number of you. I know I all, all of us? Any of us? Right? 95%? 99%? I don't know. How many of us are tired? Tired of playing the negotiating game with God. God, if I do this, then maybe you'll do that. And if I pray this way, maybe you'll answer this. And if I do this nice thing, God, will you owe me? I I can hold it over you. Amen. Man, been there. Man, if we're tired, seriously, like if we're tired of this, how much more is the world tired of this? Right? They love Jesus. But they, you, know, you hear They love Jesus, but they don't love the church. Why? Because we're not growing up. We're just as immature as everybody else. We're just struggling just as, as much as anybody else. This is not God's plan for us. It's not God's plan for you, and it's not God's plan for me. Why sanctification? Because God demands it. Not of us, of himself. God demands sanctification. He does. It's all over Scripture. Go back home, BibleGateway.com, type in sanctified sanctified, sanctified. It's all over in there. God demands of himself, of his people, because he realizes that there's an entire world, not just individually speaking, but there's an entire world that needs to see hope, that needs to see freedom from sin, that needs to be able to look at someone's life and say, if they have found freedom, maybe I can find freedom soon. It is not God's plan, it is not God's design for us to constantly live under the weight of sin, under the brokenness of sin. It is not His design that every Monday morning your entire world is falling apart. Because of however many emails and your boss is calling you into the office. It's not His design for you to live in a constant state of anger. For whatever has happened in your life. That's not his design. God's design is for freedom. To live whole. To live free. To live mature. Why sanctification? Because it's in the very fabric and nature of God. And if it's in His fabric and nature, then that belongs to a suit for those of us that are children of God. Amen? Some of you are not believing me. Amen? Amen.